Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Kansas City Royals 7 running away with this thing. The Cleveland Guardians 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning, morning people, I am running on fumes. The baby is fighting off a head cold, and I have been up basically all night with him. So... I'm going to give you everything I've got in the tank. We're going to see how long he sleeps before he starts wailing again. Uh, the morning people have been on this parenthood journey with me basically since the season started. Uh, he was born right around opening day, and uh, ooh, it's been it's been a heck of a dad adventure so far this season. So uh, let's get into the game. Uh, the little bit of it that I did get to watch, it did not go the Guardians' way, and Really, the big thing we're going to talk about uh, here is uh, the big storyline is more roster changes. Big storyline is everything that happened before the game even starts, uh, because it's frankly much more interesting than what actually took place in this game. So the Guardians make their move. They do. Antonetti and Chernoff have been relentless this season. They, I don't want to call it ruthless, but it's kind of been ruthless, like in years past where they've been so loyal to veteran players. This year, they have just drawn a line in the sand and said, look, if you can't contribute, if you're not helping, you're going to get replaced by a younger player. We have too many good young players coming. We can't wait around for you. Uh, so the latest in that string of veterans to get the axe is Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw, who, I, I mean... Most Guardians fans would tell you that he had to been the most protected guy on this entire roster because he's Francona's guy, because he's the big brother out in the bullpen, right? The mentor role, Uncle Brian. Uh, man, I, he has not pitched well this season. There have been moments, uh, we've discussed it on the show, and there have been moments where he's come into high leverage situations and he's gone one, two, three, shut him down. He's, he's just blown that cutter past him. Uh, so he's had his moments this season. I think statistically it might go down as a terrible season, but if you went through his game log, I think you would see moments. But he clearly is just not in a situation to help this team uh, in the playoffs, in middle relief, where Sam Henches is, where Nick Sandlin is, where Cody Morris is right now. I mean, these guys are really, really talented, really good pitchers locked in right now. And that is your middle relief right there. And then you, and Eli Morgan throw in there, who's had a better uh, September than he had the month before. Uh, yeah, that's four arms in middle relief. And that's not to mention you got Stefan and Classe then for the eighth and the ninth inning. So you got those guys. So, yeah, and Karachek. Uh, so you got three guys for the eighth and the ninth innings, really. So, yeah, Shaw was expandable, expendable. And the reason he's being let go, designated for assignment, is because they selected the contract of Bo Naylor, Josh's younger brother. He's going to have to, younger brothers just have to live with that, right? Uh, especially when you're on the same Major League Baseball team, which doesn't happen very often. Uh, so he's the younger brother of Josh, and he's the number fifth prospect in the Guardians farm system, according to MLB.com. The scouting report they have on Bo Naylor, the catcher, they've got him at, at 22 years old. Uh, he was the first round draft pick in 2018 by Cleveland, number 29 overall. 
Uh, and they were aggressive in getting him. They paid him a lot of money, went above the slot to pay him a good chunk of money to sign. And uh, they've got him at a hit grade of 45, a power grade of 50, a run of 45, an arm of 55, and a fielding of 55 for an overall grade of 55. Remember, this is on a 20 to 80 grading scale. Why do scouts love a 20 to 80 grading scale? I do not know, but usually when you see numbers like this, whether it's MLB or Fangraphs or Baseball Prospectus or whatever other website you find, it's usually on a 20 to 80 grading scale. So 55, not bad. Not a bad score. Uh, So clearly uh, his bat still has some work to do, but his arm and his defense is supposed to be legit. Now we got to see the arm in play in this game. We also got to see a little bit of uh, some defense that could still use a little bit of fine-tuning at the Major League level. Hey, we got Sandy Alomar Jr. here, so if anybody's going to work with this kid on the footwork at catching, he's in the right spot with Sandy here on the coaching staff. Um, So yeah, so some of the things in his scouting report is he struggled at the plate uh, a little bit in 2021. Uh, at double A, his first taste of double A baseball, but then improved dramatically in 2022, took a more opposite field approach, tried to cut down, not cut down on the power, but, uh, you know, didn't swing for the fences as much this season. And it really showed improvement and uh, much more contact, still barreling though, still hitting huge exit velocity numbers, just not trying to crush home runs, not trying to launch home runs, just trying to hit the ball hard all over the park. So that's the scouting report on Naylor, um, and it did it did show an improvement. I mean, his strikeout rate in 2021 was up at 31.5%, and he drops it in AA to 20.9%, so almost an 11% drop in strikeouts. Now, when he goes up to AAA this season, yeah, it cut, ticks back up a little bit, but you would expect that from anyone going from AA to AAA. The numbers are always going to suffer jumping a level. So it jumps up to 25.9, still better than 2021. The walk rate almost doubles from 10.4% walks in 2021 to 20.5%. So why he had a 427 on base percentage in AA this season. Uh, then when he gets to AAA, it's only a 12.8, but still above 2021. Still a better on base percentage, a better batting average, a better slugging percentage. Everything's been better this season. Uh now that he made those adjustments at the plate. And yeah, it's showing. Uh, it's showing in a lot of his offensive numbers. Uh, they said he's going to the opposite field more, uh, a little bit more, from 29.1% in 2021 to 32.4%. So, I mean, a slight increase in opposite field, a slight crease up the middle. Uh, and then you see a pretty significant decrease in trying to pull the ball from 44.3% down to 38.7% at AAA this year. So, a change at the approach of the plate uh, has got him now into the major leagues. And now he's in a situation where he could be on a playoff roster in the major leagues if they want to carry a third catcher. Remember, a third catcher frees them up for pinch-hitting situations, uh, protects them, obviously, against injury, but frees them up to really pinch runners, pinch hitters, whatever they need to do to score a run. They don't have to worry about running out of catchers. You know, and having somebody be an emergency catcher. They've got it covered now with three on the roster if they want to do that in the playoffs. So not only does he get called up, but he gets to make his Major League debut halfway through the game. Now, on the other side of things, they had to activate Plesak, which meant somebody had to get optioned. 
and I'm shocked Tyler Freeman is the guy that gets optioned back to Columbus. I thought Freeman had been playing really well here. I thought Freeman had established himself as somebody who was ready to go. And unfortunately, he's the guy that gets optioned, not Gabriel Arias, uh, not uh, Benson in the outfield. So Arias can't play some left field. So a Benson you know, could have been expendable there. But no, Tyler Freeman, who I thought for sure was a lock for this playoff roster and still could be. Again, five games. Uh, how many games left now in this thing? Four games left. There's still a lot of things that can happen with this roster before they announce that wild card roster. So uh, that's what happened before the game started. Very surprising to Guardians Twitter. Uh, everybody's a little bit in shock. I'm excited for Bo Naylor. I'm excited for all these young. It's so weird. We have such a crop of young guys. And you still have to remember there's so many veterans still on this team that, uh, yeah, it's hard to fit them all onto this roster. It's hard to fit them all onto the field. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of decisions still have to be made by this front office, by this coaching staff of how they're going to approach this thing for the wild card. All right. Let's get into the actual game because that's what this show is all about. And you know what? It wasn't really our day. Uh, Plesak, uh does not last very long. They said that he was feeling great. He wasn't necessarily treating this as a rehab start. But it sure felt like a rehab start, didn't it? It felt like a guy doing a rehab start at the major league level. He only goes three and two-thirds innings, really runs into trouble in that fourth inning. They give up three runs in that fourth inning to the Royals. Um, gives up seven hits, four runs, one earned, uh, one walk, one strikeout on 69 pitches. He's only hard hit four times on 69 pitches, but seven hits given up. And why were he? Why was he in such trouble in that inning? Well, he started a pitch up. He started a pitch up and uh, paid the price for it. Uh, all those doubles, uh, he gave up four doubles in the game. They're all coming from the middle of the plate, right around the belt. Uh, MJ Melendez, does Melendez get two doubles off him? Yes, he does. One in the fourth inning, one in the third inning. Kyle Isbell gets one in the fourth inning. Drew Waters gets a changeup that's up. Isbell's was a changeup that was up. Melendez, a changeup that was up. And then finally, a curveball that was up. Everything at the belt. So, Plesak said post-game that he saw his velocity was down a little bit. He tried to put a little more oomph on the ball, basically, and it threw off some of his off-speed pitches. It threw off his mechanics a little bit, and he was leaving things up. All right, that's what you would expect in a rehab start, right? That's what you expect in a spring training start, a rehab start coming back from injury. It's just you expect it down at double-A AA or triple-A, not up here against Major League hitters. Even though it's the Kansas City Royals, they're still Major League hitters. Still some good sticks over there. And they made Plesak pay. Uh, so it was not his best night. Uh, he eventually, like we said, gets a run in the fourth inning of this game. Eli Morgan comes in, gets a ground ball, gets out of it, uh, tries to keep us in the game a little bit here. But uh, eventually, McCarty would come in. He would also be up a little bit on the day. He would get hit around. He would give up two uh, home runs uh, and his two innings of work. So uh, despite a decent effort from Eli Morgan and trying to keep us in the game, going an inning and a third of scoreless baseball, uh, McCarty comes in and gives up two solo home runs, and uh, they really extend this lead. De Los Santos ends up uh, giving up a run in the uh, eighth inning, and yeah, they just keep extending, extending the lead 
from the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings. They put up one run in each one of those innings, which when you're in the team in the lead, that feels pretty good to just keep pushing and pushing that lead, uh, never really giving the Guardians a chance to climb back into this thing. So that's what was going on on the pitching side of things. Uh, Plesak, man, honestly, I don't need him on this playoff roster. They're talking about him pitching out of the bullpen. Francona's like, look, he only threw 69 pitches. Maybe on Tuesday we can get him in there for a relief appearance. I'm sure they will. On Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm sure they'll get him out there for a relief appearance. I just don't see, with, with so many established arms in that bullpen, with so many arms in that bullpen, especially in this wildcard series, where you don't expect to need a long reliever. Like, you expect everybody revved up and ready to go. If they need to go three days in a row, whatever they got to do to win this series, you want your best arms out there. And is Plesak really your best arm right now? I don't think he is. So we'll see if he does make this roster or not, this playoff roster or not. It's going to be interesting. He's probably going to get one more chance to take the ball before the season's over in a re- some kind of relief appearance. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that goes and if he does make the roster. Because right now, I mean, do you want to see him coming into the game before Cody Morris? Do you want to see him coming into the game before Eli Morgan? Uh, before Sam Henches, before Nick Sandlin, De Los Santos? No. I left De Los Santos off my list earlier. Uh, he is kind of the forgotten man in the bullpen, but he's been very good this season. We've, I mean, obviously the immaculate inning a few days ago was impressive, but De Los Santos has really come in and thrown some gas at times. And uh, yeah, he loses command every now and then, but he has been a strikeout machine this season. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to see De Los Santos uh, before I'd like to see Zach Plesak come in in relief. So uh, I'm pulling up uh, De Los Santos' page right now just to see what his uh, his strikeout rate was. Best of his career up at 28.4% K rate, and his walk rate is down to 8.1. Yeah, definitely the best season of uh, De Los Santos' career. Uh, do we have those high leverage numbers uh, does StatCast give those to us? No, StatCast does not give that to us. Let's jump over to Baseball Reference. All right, here we go. This is what I'm talking about right here. In high leverage situations, he has his best strikeout to walk ratio between low leverage, mid leverage, and high leverage situations. It's a 2.92 strikeout to walk ratio to a 4.5 to high leverage situations, a 6.5 strikeout to walk ratio. It's a 161 betting average against the best of any of these three scenarios here. Uh, the best on base percentage, the lowest slugging, and OPS. Yeah, he really does turn into one heck of a pitcher the higher the leverage situation is. So, yeah, I would say the playoffs are a pretty high leverage situation. And uh, I'd want to see De Los Santos out there before I want to see Plesek coming in in relief. All right, so that's enough of hammering our pitching. Uh, it clearly was not our night. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, Chris Bubich, it was his night. Uh, he goes, he only goes five innings, throws 90 pitches, so I guess they work some long counts. Gives up five hits, no runs, one walk, but eight strikeouts, and he's only hard hit three times. Now, it was an interesting lineup. Jose Ramirez officially gets the day off. Andres Jimenez gets to hit third. Man, every time Andres Jimenez gets to hit up in the top of the lineup, he kind of lets us down. Uh, he does have a hit, but three strikeouts on the day. 
uh, for Andres Jimenez. So not the showing he would have wanted in that three-hole in the lineup. A spot where I think next season, I think very easily next season, depending on what they do with Ahmed Rosario, you can easily see a lineup that goes Stephen Kwan, Jose Ramirez batting second, Andres Jimenez batting third, and then some kind of Naylor-Gonzalez combo in the cleanup spot. Uh, I really think the third spot of the order is a spot where Andres Jimenez is going to find himself one day. And uh, unfortunately, here are three strikeouts on the day for him. Uh, but yeah, it was an interesting lineup. Benson eventually comes in in right field for Gonzalez, but he plays a lot of the game there. You had Owen Miller at first base. Naylor DHing Josh uh, betting sixth in the lineup. They really kind of dropped him down there. Gabriel Arias gets the start in third in place of Jose Ramirez. And then Maley catches half the game. And then Bo Naylor does come in. When McCarty comes into the game in the sixth inning, uh, Bo Naylor goes in to catch and gets to finish off the game, gets two at-bats. Uh, but unfortunately, like we said, uh, you know, it wasn't our night offensively, and Bo Naylor doesn't have the best showing at the plate to kick off his major league career, unfortunately. We'll get to that in a second. But for the first half of the game, for the first five innings, Bubich was absolutely locked in with those eight strikeouts. Uh, the fastball was working for him. He got 11 whiffs on his fastball. They only put two four-seam fastballs in play. That seems bizarre. They fouled off 15 four-seam fastballs. I mean, this is a team that hits fastball. So what was he doing? Where was he throwing this thing? Uh, you know, that was so effective against Guardians hitters. I guess he was just keeping it up. The lefty was really throwing the ball across the plate, working the glove side of the plate up, uh, attacking right-handed hitters up, going up and away to the lefty. So that's what he was doing with his fastball. And man, they just couldn't square it up. That's, that's kind of bizarre to see there. 15 and only two put in play. Uh, working in a few change-ups and a few curves, but my God, the fastball was doing most of the work on the day. It's a 31% total CSW on the day for Bubich. What was he getting these eight strikeouts on? Let's take a look at that over on the Illustrator here, and everything is up. Man, what was going on yesterday? Everything was up. He got uh, five fastballs up above the belt, two curveballs that he drops in, uh... Up around the letters, one to Miles Straw that he fouled tips, one that locks up Josh Naylor for a call strike three on an 0-2 count in the second inning. Naylor did not, Josh Naylor did not look like he had himself a very good day. And then he gets Owen Miller with a changeup on a 3-2 count up above the belt. Uh, it's bizarre. I mean, when you see strikeouts, usually eight strikeouts, I'm expecting a lot of stuff below the knees or at least changing the eye level a little bit between the off-speed stuff and the fastball. But no, he just... Everything is up at the letters, and I, for some reason, the Guardians hitters just could not handle it. Uh, so, yeah, he really does some damage here with the strikeout uh, and really limits the Guardians offense. All right, I could belabor the Guardians offense, but let's get to Bo Naylor. Let's see how they attacked him. His two at-bats, his first at-bat comes against Carlos Hernandez, and uh, after a first-pitch slider that he fouls off, uh, Hernandez attacks him with all fastballs, and this is some serious heat right here. Now, he shows a good eye, shows some good patience, lays off a fastball up up, up at the shoulders, up at his head, uh, lays off an inside fastball way off the plate inside. 
Then he attacks him with fastballs on the plate, finally finds the plate. At 97.4 and 97.5, he blows the fastball by him twice. So some serious heat from Carlos Hernandez. I mean, he gets that fastball up at 97, 98 miles per hour. It's no joke. And he gets Naylor swinging twice on the fourth and fifth pitch of the at-bat to strike him out in his Major League debut at-bat. And then he gets to come up against Anthony... Missowich, I'm just going to guess at that name. I probably totally butchered it. And uh, let's just call him Anthony. Uh, and now he's attacking him with cutters. Uh, so he throws him a cutter down uh, at the knees that he follow, uh, swings through. I'm sorry, swings through for strike one. Misses with two cutters down and away. So he's staying down there. He's got it into a 2-1 count. Gets a fastball, a 93.5 mile power fastball on the plate at the belt. And unfortunately, he pops it down the left field line. Melendez makes actually a really nice catch in foul territory, crashing into the netting out there down the left field line. So had a chance for this ball to carry foul. But unfortunately, Melendez pulls it in in the netting. And that would end Bo Naylor's night. And that would end the Guardians night right there, the final at-bat of the day. So probably not the offensive day that Bo Naylor was hoping for. He's probably not autographing that ball that Melendez caught and putting it on his trophy case. But still, it's nice to see Naylor up here. He does have a good moment in that uh, sixth inning where he uh, guns out Isbell trying to steal. And it's a really nice pop and a really nice throw uh, from uh, from Bo Naylor. I'm going to have to keep my bows and my joshes straight. Um, so Isbell had walked uh, after Drew Waters had somehow hit a home run to left field, even though it was into the wind. The wind that at one point in this game knocked the ball down so bad that Quan had to come charging in, lay out for it, couldn't make the catch, uh, literally gets beat by the wind. Uh, it was a brutal day in Cleveland. I mean, the wind was just whipping off the lake. Just a brutal day in Cleveland yesterday, for those of you that don't live here. Uh, yeah, the fall weather, the gusts of uh, November come early indeed. Um, if you remember that song from the 60s. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, Drew Waters somehow gets a home run out there into left field, into the wind. And then Isbell uh, walks, and then Bo Naylor guns him out trying to steal. Uh, it was a good pop and then just a missile of a throw right on target. The pop was so-so, but the throw, my God, from Bo Naylor, absolutely pinpoint accuracy and nails Isbell trying to steal. There is a moment later in this game, uh, Sebastian Rivero, I believe in the eighth inning, would strike out with uh, runners on the corner. Melendez was on third, Bobby Witt Jr. was on first, and uh, on the strikeout, it skips past uh, Naylor. It was a curveball, or a, was it a curveball or a slider uh, that, uh, who, who was up pitching at that time? I believe it was De Los Santos was pitching. Yeah, he throws him a slider. Actually threw him three sliders in this at bat, and he chased all three of them. Uh, but the third one was way down and away, and Bo Naylor just didn't slide out far enough to get this thing. Just couldn't get his body in front of it. It skips past him to the right. He's able to recover and throw out Rivera at first base for the you know to complete the strikeout. But Melendez is able to score on the play, so they get another run across there. And again, that's something that Sandy Alomar will definitely be drilling the kid on. He is definitely going to go throw skipping balls uh, to his right and make sure that this kid can slide out there, can take that slide step. He wasn't down on one knee. 
He was in a good squat. He was in good position, good catcher's position. He just didn't get, you know, far enough out on his slide to get his body fully in front of this thing. Kind of takes it uh, off the side a little bit, and that's why it skips past him. So just some stuff to clean up. I mean, it's a hard play. Your balls are going to get past you. Balls still get past Henches and Maley. It happens, but it's definitely something that Sandy works. I, we've seen it. We've seen it in little highlight and vignette packages from spring training. We've seen Sandy Alomar working with the catchers, sliding to their left, sliding to their right, keeping balls like this in front of them. And it's definitely something that Sandy will have the kid doing over and over and over again. So, uh, yep, so some uh, bone nailer highlights, lowlights, moments uh, from his debut. Uh, It's still nice to have the kid here. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, a bright future for him, despite, you know, this probably wasn't the debut he was hoping for. I'm sure he wanted to be one of those guys that came up here and cracked a home run in his first at-bat. I had one of those moments. So, uh, not the debut he was hoping for, but he's definitely going to play a lot. I mean, Francona said in the post game, he's like, look, the kid now has four innings of major league experience under his belt. That's what's important. And they're going to get him experience. I don't know if he's going to get the start. It'll be interesting if he gets the start or if they do like they did in this one, where they give the starter two, you know, two at bats and then he comes in and finishes the game, almost like a spring training, you know, situation where the young guys come in and finish the game. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there uh, from Naylor. And as he gets to learn this pitching staff, too, he's got to learn all these arms, and he's got to learn how to catch a classic, you know, 100-mile-per-hour cutter, which I'm sure is an experience all on its own. So a big, steep learning curve here for Bo Naylor as we get down through the last few games of the season. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, it was not our night. It's You know what? Frankly, it's all right to get this loss out of the way right now at this point. Uh, it's okay. There's still a few baseball games left. The momentum hasn't really left. Uh, unfortunately, on a night when they raised the banner, you know, they raised the division championship banner in front of 20, what do we got here? 26, almost 27,000. Wow, they really packed it in last night, didn't they, for this? On a, on a cold, blistery October night, to get 27,000 down there to watch a regular season finale against the Royals is pretty good. I told you, don't worry about the attendance. They're going to show up for the playoffs. This town loves themselves some playoff baseball. So, uh, yeah, on a night when they raise the championship banner, uh, another it's great to see another division championship banner fly at Progressive Field. Unfortunately, they just, you know, it wasn't their night. It wasn't the right combination of Plesak going through his rehab start and resting veterans uh, to get the win over the Royals on this one. But we'll come back strong tomorrow. We got, uh, who's on the mound tomorrow? I believe it's Bieber setting himself up uh, today, I should say. Bieber setting himself up for uh, his final start of the season, then setting himself up for that wild card. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes five or six innings and then uh, Francona goes and gets him, just because there's no need for him to throw 100 pitches, right? He's saving himself. He's keeping himself sharp for the playoffs, so he's got everything in the tank and ready to go for that playoff matchup. So, That's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. Not our day. It's the Royals 7, the Guardians 1. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on Bo Naylor. He's here. Have you been expecting this? Have you been waiting for this all season? Or are you like, who is this guy? Um, Let me know. We'll discuss it on the show. 
Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.